chapter 8. Uh, we were in John chapter 8 last week. We were in the first part of John chapter 8 last week. We went through um, the story of uh, the woman who was caught in adultery and uh, how Jesus uh, kind of was just an all-star, because uh, that's what he is. Um, and he really set some people straight um, and then told the girl, go and sin no more. Uh, and that is uh, our command. And so we're moving on from there. We're going to just look actually at one verse tonight. Uh, oh, man, we have some beats dropping. That's good. I, I could actually preach to the beats if you want me to, making some like word on the street, I think. I think that'd be sweet. That'd be pretty pretty cool. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to be looking at one verse. It's already 740. Um, so we're going to try and just like punch through this thing uh, so I can get you guys out of here in a good time. Uh, but we, yeah, you guys know how long I talk, and so no introduction there. Uh, yeah, let me see your Bibles. Hold them up. I want to see your Bible because uh, I like seeing Bibles. Oh, look at that half and half Bible. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Well, actually, do we have more leather Bibles than smartphone Bibles this week? Hold them up again. I want to see. Hold them up again. Oh, yes. Yes, that's like the first time ever. We're always more smartphones, so that's really cool. Uh, guys, John chapter 8. When you get to John chapter 8, verse 12, let me know by saying holla. And if you're not there yet, let me know by saying hold up. All right, since I didn't hear hold up, so we're just going to dive right in. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, and it says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, and it pierces through. Uh, God, the bone and the marrow, and it gets down to our soul and our spirit, God, and it reveals us uh, the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And so, God, we just pray that your word would penetrate uh, our hearts tonight. Um, God, as we look at what your perfect word has to say, that we would be inspired, uh, that we would be encouraged, God, that we would be challenged by what your word has. Um, God, tonight, that we would uh, that we would leave this place different than when we came. God, and we would just truly have an experience with you as a result uh, of having... Uh, and experience with your word. Uh, God, I just pray that none of these would be my words. Uh, God, that you would speak through me. Uh, anything that would be of me, may it fall on deaf ears or may not even be able to get it out of my mouth. Uh, and God, may your perfect word come through. So God, we just thank you and praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So one verse. Uh, I was really wrestling uh, with this. i got to be honest with you guys. There's some weeks where I'm just like, all right, I know exactly what I'm going to speak on, but we're just going to like pound it out. Sometimes we're going to do like two or three verses, sometimes we're going to do like 25. Uh, and my goal, I, I, I'm not lying to you at all, my goal was to get us to chapter 9 uh, by the end of tonight. Um, and then I was like, no, I can't do that, uh, so I'm going to get us through uh, verse 30. Uh, and then I was like, nah, you know, I'm not going to be able to get us through verse 30. Then I was thinking to myself, okay, maybe I can get us through like verse 25 or something. And the more I was just studying, the more I was like, I was like, man, there's way too many sermons in here, uh, and we're not going to get through one verse tonight. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this is week 20, actually. We've been in the Gospel of John for 20 weeks, and we're only halfway through, we're not even halfway through chapter 8. So that's how slow we move. Uh, someone asked me earlier this evening, how long are we going to be in the book of John? Uh, well, if you just do the math, 
we're on par right now for more than 52 weeks. So we're going to be in John for more than a year. I promise you that's the... Yeah, I'm out now. I'm still young. Okay, yeah, no. Uh, we're going to be in John for a while, um, but we're going to follow this pattern. It's going to be like 10 weeks in John, four weeks off. 10 weeks in John, four weeks off. So, so we'll kind of break it up, make it fresh again for you guys. Uh, and we have some cool guest speakers who are going to be here in five weeks, which is going to be fun. And we're, we're going to take a break from John. It'll be good. But for the time being, uh, we're going to try... I promise, guys, we're going to try and get through John chapter 8 in the next three weeks. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a while to get through John chapter 3. Because we, we run into verses like this, verse 12. Uh, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, and, and, and it says Jesus spoke to them again. And when we see that he spoke to them again, we've we got to look back. Well, when did he speak to them the first time? And we look back... Um, we look back, and what Jesus had just said to the people who were around was he had just called out the, the Pharisees who brought the woman who was caught in adultery and said, hey, who, he who is without sin among you, throw the stone first. And they all said, well, we're all sinners, so they dropped their stones. And they walk away, and then he tells this woman, go and sin no more. And now he says to them, hey, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So what he's essentially done is he said, okay, you're all sinners. And now that we've come to the realization that we are all sinners, uh, go and sin no more, which is not a very easy task. And then he goes on to say, all right, and now that I've told you to go and sin no more, follow me and walk in the light so you don't have to walk in darkness. Sounds like a pretty good plan. Like Jesus is like, hey, I will hold your hand. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to light the way for you. Um, we could spend, I mean, I could have done... I, I looked up a bunch of stuff about like lights and flashlights and candles and stuff, like uh, when you're in the forest at night and how much candlelight can be seen from. The, I mean, there's a lot of stats on lights, but I don't want to give you a bunch of stats because actually I want to take you uh, to actually my favorite. Is, is it okay to have a favorite part of the Bible? Okay, to have a favorite part of the Bible? Yeah. yeah, right, right. That's what happened one time when I was teaching the youth. I was like, now we're going to turn to my favorite book, and they're like, isn't the whole Bible your favorite? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, uh, the whole Bible, yeah, it is my favorite book, but there's... Okay, turn in your Bibles to First John. Turn your Bibles to First John. So, uh, what's that? Oh, my brother John? Uh, he is actually still on his way home from school. Yeah, he's lame. He's not here. Uh, don't tell him I said he's lame. It's recorded that I said he's lame. So uh, that's <laughs> yes. Uh, turn to First John. This is my favorite book in the Bible for more reasons than one. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of. Jesus just said, "I'm the light of the world. Follow me, and you will no longer walk in darkness. And when you follow me, you will have the light of life." So the title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, is "Live in Light." Um, and uh, John, uh, First John one, First John one. We're actually going to do something we did a few weeks ago that I really liked. We're going to popcorn read uh, because I'm all about being in second grade again. It's great. Uh, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to start, and then when I stop, anyone can just pick up in First John, okay? Uh, and we're going to read through First John chapter one and First John chapter two because there's a lot of things to be said about John chapter 8, verse 12, in these two chapters. Now, before we dive in, 
we have to uh, understand that the Apostle John, uh, who is a disciple of Jesus, uh, if you remember all the way 20 weeks ago when we did the intro to the book of John, uh, we talked about the disciple whom Jesus loved, who this disciple John was. Uh, he was a really young guy when he was following Jesus. Uh, most scholars think he was somewhere around the age of 14 when he started following Jesus. So this is a very young dude. How many of you guys are 14 in the room? Yeah, none of you. So you're all older than John was when he was following Jesus. And so he goes through the first century. They're doing their whole thing with the church. Great stuff. And John uh, ends up writing his gospel uh, after he gets off exile from the island of Patmos. Okay, So John wrote the book of Revelation uh, while on the island of Patmos. He gets off the island uh, and then goes and continues to be a pastor in Ephesus and he writes the Gospel of John and then he writes these three letters uh, all to specific people. And this is the second letter uh, which he wrote uh, in the first in our uh, collection, I guess you would say, of, of letters. So, so this is one of the things uh, that was written by the same guy who wrote John chapter 8, verse 12. And so the theme of First John uh, is experiencing God um, and everything that comes in with experiencing God. It actually breaks down, if we wanted to spend some time going through um, the book of 1 John, it breaks down very easily for us. The chapters 1 and 2 talk about experiencing the light of God. Uh, chapters 3 and 4 talk about experiencing the love of God. Uh, and chapter 5 talks about experiencing the life of God. And if any of you guys uh, want to do a really fun study through the Bible, uh, go through the book of 1 John and actually spend a lot of time on it. Spend maybe a month going through those five chapters and you'll realize, oh my goodness, there's so much meat in here, there's so much truth in here, there's so much I can apply to my life right now. And so we're going to try and do what I just said uh, in the next 30 minutes. I said do it in a month, we're going to try and do it in 30 minutes. Uh, so I'm going to start reading, and then when I stop, one of you guys start going, and we'll kind of popcorn this thing, and then we're going to break down a few themes. But this is what it says. Uh, I have it all highlighted and underlined, so I can't read it from far away. What it says. That which was from the beginning, which you have heard, which you have seen with your eyes, which you have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and we bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Christ Jesus. In these things we write to you that you uh, may be full of joy. This is the message we have heard from Him and declared to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if you walk in the light as... as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us all from all sin. If we claim to do without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, <coughs> he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Okay, what, 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 chapter two. Chapter two, chapter verse two. one. Two? Okay, um, that's why. That's why. Uh, you're in chapter two, what verse? Verse one. Verse one. Whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. On the third day of the wedding took place. <laughs> uh, we're we're in first John. 
First John. Someone want to pick up in First John two verse one. First one. What? He was with God in the beginning. No, no. <laughs> uh, First John. We're we're back. Yeah, we're all the back here. Yeah. Yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. I'm like, oh wait. There you go. All right, Mor- Morgan, take us away. Verse 24. 
See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what also in the Son and the Father. And this will this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So we want to close this out, 28 and 29. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him as his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does this what is right has been born of him. Nice. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. Good work, guys. Good work. Yeah, awesome. Thank you to those uh, who read. All right. Um, so, lot of stuff being covered there. Uh, there's a reason why I had all you guys read it because I really didn't want to read it all. Uh, I know, like, like my voice would have been gone. Uh, once again, Bo bringing up the King James Version and uh, the word verily. Uh, I love that word. We need to use that word more often. It's great. Um, so Jesus in John chapter 8. So now we're jumping back to John chapter 8. Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says uh, to them again, Follow me. Uh, I am the light. Follow me. And if you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness. Uh, and you will have within you the light of life. There's a reason why we call... Uh, our series, our sermon series, I Saw the Light. Uh, because John, when John was writing um, the Gospel of John, uh, he, he was talking about his experience with Jesus and, and with the light of the world. John chapter 1 uh, refers to Christ being the light, and that light was the life of men. And so uh, this light was a, is a common theme for John, and as we see uh, in First John, it, it, it's littered with this phrase, the light. Uh, walk in the light, don't walk in the darkness. But when Jesus says this to the disciples uh, for the first time, uh, let's just say we were walking down the street and someone said to you, hey, uh, follow me uh, because I'm the light. I mean, what would we make of that? Like, uh, what do we think about? Uh, it, it, it could be a little bit confusing. It, I mean, it could be a little bit vague. Uh, I mean, these guys have been following with Jesus and John tells us here, uh, in, in the end of John, he says, if I were to write down everything that Jesus had said and done, there wouldn't be enough pages uh, in the earth to contain everything he did. So, so maybe he's, he's referenced light to them uh, uh, before, but um, when I see this, and he says to them, I am the light, it can be a little bit vague. And they're like, okay, I will follow you because you are the light. I don't want to be in darkness. But what does it mean to truly uh, follow you? And uh, so what the reason why I had us go to First John is because John actually gives us like the step-by-step uh, step ways to follow Christ. This is what it looks like if you are following Christ. And so what we're going to do for the next few minutes, uh, and then we're going to conclude with this, and so the next few minutes could be anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. Uh, no, I'm joking. It won't be 45 minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an hour. Um, uh, but we're going to look at what it means to be someone who follows Christ, what it means to be someone who lives in the light rather than in the darkness. And uh, the reason why we're going to break this down to some of you, um, 
I mean, it's going to be a just a, a reminder. Um, it's going to be like, yeah, I knew that, I knew that. But to others, it's going to be a crash course, and you're like, whoa, this is a lot of information in one night. Uh, and to others, it's it's going to be um, maybe eye-opening. Uh, but to all of us, uh, it should be to all of us. It should be um, a really good. Well, since the Super Bowl was just this last weekend, uh, a really good playbook. Uh, on how to tell uh, our friends, tell our family, tell our coworkers about Christ and what it means to truly follow Christ. Uh, because some people are like, man, it just sounds so hard being a Christian, or man, there's so many rules, or yeah, I can't do this anymore, and all that stuff. And, and people have all these preconceived notions about Christianity, but when we really look at uh, what Christianity is all about, uh, it's all broke down for us right here. And, and, and so we're going to unpack a few of these things. Because uh, there's a lot in here, guys. Um, our youth group, probably three years ago, we went through First John, uh, and I'll just be honest with you: I was in First John chapter one uh, for four weeks, and so we're doing it in a half hour. Um, so bear with me uh, as we go through this. The first, the first four verses of First John uh, are referring to um, what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they are now going to declare. Who's they? It's the church. It's John. It's the followers of Christ who are there with him. And they're saying, hey, we have seen these things. We have seen Jesus. We have experienced. We have seen the light. And now we are going to declare what this light is to you. And it picks up here in verse 5 and it says this. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Sound familiar? Yeah, it should be, and it's, it's going to continue to sound even more familiar as we go, and it's going to start to sound so familiar, you're going to like now forever um, attach First John and light and darkness with one another, um, and, and anytime someone starts talking about light and darkness, you're going to be like, yeah, First John talks all about that, uh, just like if, if you studied later on in the First John in chapters 4 and chapters 3 and chapters 5, talks a lot about love, and so when people start talking about love, you're like, yeah, First John talks about love, because First John 4, 7, and 8 says that, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone who loveth is born of God. He who loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? Yeah, First John talks about love. But it also talks about light here in the first, um, first few chapters. Um, so God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, and this is a simple phrase, and now that we've said it, and I've read it, and you've heard it, a few times, I think we could all recite it without even looking at it, uh, but it holds so much weight, uh, both on a personal level, uh, on a spiritual level, on a theological level, um, on a doctrinal level, it holds so much weight. The statement that God is light and in him is no darkness, uh, because light is synonymous with, with holiness, darkness is synonymous with sinfulness and in God there is no sin. And so first and foremost, when it comes to our theology, when it comes to what we believe about God, we have to believe um, that God is a God who has no sin. There is no sin in God. And because there is no sin in God, uh, He is perfect. And now He has set the examples to us for what it means to live perfect lives. Will we ever be perfect? No. But He has shown us the example of what it means to live a life without sin. And the sin uh, is something that gets talked about a little bit later on in chapter 2, and we're going to get there. Uh, 
Um, but at the foundation, we have to have this as the foundation of our faith, that God is perfect, God is without sin, there is no darkness in him, and that he is just as a result of that. So everything he does and everything which follows and everything which trickles down to us uh, comes from perfection. So, so are we all tracking there? Okay, uh, I actually watched a video last night. Um, it's not on YouTube. You guys can go look it up on your own. It's on Vimeo or something. Uh, but somebody did uh, a 3D rendering um, of, like, you start at the sun, and then you're working out backwards through uh, our solar system and through our galaxy. Uh, and, and it does it in such a way uh, that I, like, it, it obviously speeds things up. But it shows the amount of time uh, it takes light to get to the certain places, uh, traveling at the speed of light. And this video actually is 45 minutes long, uh, and, and it shows the sun traveling, or, or the light from the sun traveling. I mean, it was just super fascinating. Uh, I think you only enjoy it if you're like a nerd, because there's like a lot of uh, spaces where it's just, you're going through space for like eight minutes, uh, and you're just watching a black screen, and maybe there's a little dot off in the corner. So I, I've, it, it might not be the coolest thing, but I thought it was amazing, because light, light originates, but then light goes for a very long time. Um, but it goes so fast. And when I think about God being light and God being the source of everything, um, we all have, um, when it comes to the light and vision and everything, uh, we can see things as a result of light. Same things with God. We can see things such as holiness. We can see things such as sin as a result of God illuminating, and we can now see as a result of that light. I don't think that made any sense. Did that make any sense to you? Okay. It, it, it did make a little bit of sense. Uh, sorry, I, I was trying to like get it out into words and I don't, I don't know if it actually came out that video was just fascinating I mean it was really cool because like when they zoom past the moon and then you zoom past earth and it's like in four minutes and eight seconds you will reach Mars and then it, you have to wait for it it was crazy uh, but God is light and in him there is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him being God but we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice truth uh, again, another very theologically heavy, uh, again, another theologically important verse. Because there's a lot of people who say they have fellowship with God, yet they walk in darkness. What did we just say darkness was? So being like a two-faced kind of thing? Yeah, almost being two-faced. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian on Sundays, but, I live for God, but when I hit the world, I don't represent Him. And, uh, and I think that's a place... Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say all of us have been at. Um, and, and, and I think that's a reality um, because I think our initial thought, especially if you've been in church for a long time, your initial thought is when you look at that, you're like, yeah, well, those people who are two-faced, who maybe they uh, pretend to be a Christian on Sunday, or maybe they don't even pretend. They're, they're, they're a good Christian on Sunday, but then they go throughout the week and they're just partying and they're doing all that stuff. That's like what we normally think of when it's referring to this, but this is so much more beyond that. That's such a small thing, like uh, parting and all that stuff. That's so small compared uh, to what this verse really actually means. Because um, if we claim to have fellowship with God, um, but then we walk in darkness, we are lying and we're not living in the truth. And what is that darkness? Because we so easily say, uh, yeah, that darkness is drinking, that darkness is doing drugs, that darkness is pornography, that darkness is this. And, and we like tend to label the big sins, right? Um, but isn't sin sin to God? Like if you struggle with lying, uh, you're walking in darkness. Uh, I mean, we could go down the list and name every sin we can think of. 
Um, and they're all equal in God's eyes, and they all are considered darkness. So when I say, yeah, we all fall into this, uh, it's a very real thing. And if you were in church on Sunday, Pastor Dave alluded to this a little bit in his message, at least in the in the second service. Uh, we we should have a very real uh, uh, heavenly fear uh, or holy fear uh, of of the consequences of our sin, um, because if if we are just willy-nilly about our sin and uh oh yeah it's fine i can do it one more time you know um but but what is that representing uh, and what is that saying to god uh as a result so i'm jesus you've died for me thanks for your grace i love it i'm going to live for you and then we sin in essence what we're doing is every time we sin if we really were to look at sin for what sin really is every time we sin it's like seeing Jesus up on the cross, walking up, getting a ladder, getting in his face, and spitting. Spitting right in his face. Uh, I mean, yeah, when you say it like that, you're like, whoa, no, no, no. I would never do that. But when we sin, that's what we're doing. Uh, and that's heavy. Um, I mean, that is, that, that is a very real thing. Uh, and it's a very heavy thing um, that I know even in my own life. I have to check myself every day. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I got to take a good look at myself, examine myself, and be like, all right, Matt, what are you doing? Are you are you living in the light? Are you following Christ? Do you have fellowship with Christ? Or are your actions denying what you say? And are you truly someone who lives in the truth? And I think that's something that we all need to ask ourselves. And then when we come to this conclusion, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. So here's the thing. Once we get to that realization, our sin is really big, and our sin is important, and we need to no longer live in sin, let's walk in light. And we begin to walk in light with him. Something happens instantly. Because when I do that, and Sam does that, and let's just say Philemon does that, and Aaron does that, and Sam and Dave and Morgan, and let's just say we all do it. Okay? We come to this place where now we have true fellowship one with another. You guys remember when you guys were in high school? Uh, I'm sure uh, y'all were pretty cool kids in high school, right? Uh, and you had like you had friends, and you had like a, like maybe you had ten, maybe you had fifteen, maybe you had twenty, maybe you had three, but like like you had friends. But were they really friends, or were they just acquaintances? Uh, because uh, for me personally, friend is like there's some like responsibility. If you're my friend, yeah. Uh, that yeah that that, that 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 carries some weight to it. Uh, but if you're an acquaintance, it's okay. But so so here's the thing: we could very easily come here and have fellowship, but but not actually have fellowship. You guys know what I'm saying? It's one thing to just come and be like, yeah, you know, I go to church, I sit down, I go, hey, how's it going? Like, right? I don't know what I'm doing voices, but uh, like, yeah, you just go through the motions, but you don't actually have legit fellowship. Like, you can't relate. And, and, and that's the way it is when we are stuck in sin. That's the way it is when we're living in sin. Because that sin, that darkness, hinders us from having true fellowship. So, if you're someone who's living in sin uh, and outright like rebellion sin, like you're just like, yeah, I know I'm sinning, but I don't care. I'm going to sin anyways. Uh, yet you go to church, uh, you're going to realize, yeah, I have a hard time connecting with people uh, 
because I legitimately, it's impossible for me to have relationship with them and fellowship with them because I'm in darkness and they're in light. And light and darkness do not coexist. And so there, there's this tension. So we need to realize the importance of our sin and everything. Verse 8 says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I think this is reiterating what we said earlier. Uh, we all have sin. And if we say we don't, yeah, we're lying. So, so, so let's realize and acknowledge, hey, I have sin, and I know that needs to be worked on. So when we're looking at what Christ said, jumping back to John chapter 8, verse 12, because I'm going to keep bringing us back there unless we get so far away from it uh, that we get lost. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus had just told the woman, go and sin no more. He who is without the first or, or he who is without sin, throw the first stone. So we've already acknowledged that we're all sinners. And now Jesus says, hey, don't sin anymore. I am the light of the world. Follow me and there will be no darkness. I am the light of life. So when we combine this with what we're seeing here, one of the very first steps for us in following Christ is acknowledging our sin, acknowledging the, the, the really heaviness and the importance of our <clears throat> sin and how we are fallen, and then move the next step and say, I don't want to sin, and now move into fellowship one with another. Because not only do we have fellowship one with another when we realize, okay, I have sinned, I've been forgiven, now I'm going to walk in the light. It says that Jesus' blood cleanses us of all our sin. So when we make the conscious decision, I'm going to walk in the light, Jesus forgives us of our sin. Which I think is really, really cool. We jump down to verse 9, and this is the big one. It says this, I actually even have it circled, and then with a little line, and I wrote down key point uh, in my Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's one thing to acknowledge our sin. It's one thing to say, I don't want to sin anymore. It's one thing to hear Jesus say, go and sin no more. But our sin is still going to have a hold on us until we confess our sin. And here's the thing, if we confess our sin, because that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, how many of you guys have, have been sinning and you had, like, I don't want to confess. Yeah, it's not a, first off, it's not a fun thing to do. Like, that's not like when I wake up in the morning, like, I'm going to Disneyland and I'm going to confess my sin. Like, I mean, that's not like a fun thing to do, but uh, it's important. And Jesus understands, and I think the Holy Spirit understands that it's not easy for us to confess our sins. Uh, and that's why he throws in that tagline, if we confess our sins, he, being God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Because so often we think, man, you know, if I confess my sins, I'm going to get judged. People will never look at me the same. And, we, and then the devil allows our minds to start going into all, all these scenarios. Well, man, if I told my friends that I struggle with this, they're going like, to not look at me the same. Like, they're never going to invite me to go places. And then, like, it just, like, breaks down all these different things. And we never end up confessing our sin because we're afraid to confess our sin. But here's... Right, right. And it, it, it bottles up until we just get to this place where we're like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I, yeah, and, and people start falling away. And, and the thing is, we're told here that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This word cleanse here means to legitimately make them clean. Yeah, like we are no, like we were once filthy and dirty and now we are as white as snow. And, and what it says in the Gospels is that Jesus, when he forgives our sin, he forgets it as far as the east is from the west. Yeah, like, he doesn't remember it anymore. So when we confess and we say, all right, Jesus, I need your forgiveness, he forgives, and then he forgets. 
which that's not a human concept because we don't do that. But God does, and it's really, really cool. And, 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 he, and he doesn't hold those things against us. When we confess, God doesn't hold it against you. I think we've bought this lie in America, we've bought this lie in the church that, well, even though I confess, God still like keeps like track of like, well, you remember, Matt, when you were in 12th grade, you did such and such and such and such. And you know what? I'm going to hold that against you. I'm gonna, like, God doesn't do that, guys. God doesn't hold our sins against us. If we confess them, he does not hold them. He forgives us, and then he cleanses it. Now, lest I, I make an avenue for people to continue sinning, if you do not confess, then very much God holds those things, and those are things that are knocked against you. Um, and that doesn't mean can just can go confess to everyone. Let's confess to God. Now, there's other portions of Scripture that say, hey, it's good to confess to a brother and, 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 or a sister. And I would encourage you guys, uh, find maybe one person who you can trust find, and, and, and confess sins. You don't have to like download all at once. You can. Um, I mean... Uh, you don't have to, but you can definitely download on God. Uh, he's got all the time in the world, because he exists outside the world, and he exists outside of time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, confess your sins to God, and he's faithful just to forgive you. Uh, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God <coughs> a liar, and the word uh, is not in us. And then John jumps to calling us little children, um, which is a little bit of fun church history. Can I give you a little fun church history? i got 13 more minutes. Uh, but a, a little bit of fun church history. We know from the early church fathers that John, at the time he's writing these things, the time he's going around through all these churches, he's really old. Uh, John died at about 101 years old. Okay. Um, yeah, he lived a, quite a while, and uh, it's 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 written about him uh, that when he would go to a city, they'd bring him in, and like he'd have a bunch of people like helping him in. Uh, and he got old and frail, you know, and he's probably got his cane. And he would walk up. Thousands of people would come from all over the countryside. And they would all get uh, in, in, in the square or wherever where John was going to preach. And he'd get up and he'd just say these few words and say, My little children love one another. And then he would walk off and go to his thing. Like people would come for miles just to hear him say that. Um, so <laughs> I, how do you guys, this is terrible. I, I don't know if I should say this from the whole time. You know the old Count Dooku? Yeah. Uh, and, and, they, and they go and they have the battle on Geonosis. Mm-hmm. Is it a problem that I know what the actual name is? Geonosis, the little bug people, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm a nerd. It's, just, it's okay. Um, well, there's a scene in there where Obi-Wan and Anakin are having a lightsaber fight with Dooku. Uh, and Dooku's a boss, okay? He's got that cool curved lightsaber, like hilt, and he's like doing his thing, whoa, 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 and, uh, and, and, and he like force pushes Obi Wan over there. He hits like the the thing and it falls down on him, and then he like pins Anakin underneath this thing, and he's just like doing his thing. He's already cut off Anakin's arm. It's great, you know. Uh, and then like he's getting re- he's giving this stupid speech or whatnot, and then all of a sudden you just hear like this click, click, yeah. click. And then like it like pans over to the side and you see like the shadow of Yoda and then like little Yoda walking in the room and he's like, hmm, a fight there is. And he, he, he like walks in and he does like his thing. But he's walking all old and he's like all like he's got the cane and everything. And you're like, man, Yoda, what are you gonna do? And then all of a sudden like Duke is like, oh Yoda, and he like does like the lightning thing, and Yoda like catches it and all like Dragon Ball Z's it back at him, you know? And then like Duke is like, let's settle this the nice way. And he's like and he pulls out his lightsaber, and then like Yoda drops his cane, and you're just like, because up to this point in the movie, you've, you've only ever seen Yoda sitting in a council seat 
or on Dagobah, like with Luke, like, whoa, hold the rock, you know? Uh, and, and, and so you're like, what is Yoda going to do? What is Yoda going to do? And he like, he like opens up his robe, and he's like, he pulls up this mini like, and then out of nowhere, the next 30 seconds, his Kermit the Frog jumping all over the place, doing spins, and then all you can see is, doo, 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 and he's like doing all this crazy stuff. And like he beats up Dooku with his lightsaber. It's like the craziest thing ever. And then when it's done, Dooku gets away, he puts his lightsaber away, grabs his cane, just like walks out of the room. And that's John. Okay, just so you guys know. John was uh, John was the Yoda of disciples. Okay, if you remember anything from tonight, remember John no, no, don't remember that. That's terrible. Uh, but cra- crazy, crazy correlation though. Um, Dooku was from the what side? And the Jedi's were on the light side. Okay, crazy correlation. Okay, no. You're never supposed to use Star Wars to like back up the gospel. That's terrible. Okay, good, good. Okay, yeah, all the time. Great. Uh, never again. But so all that because I, he says my little children. That's awesome. Okay, uh, so he's going to start referring to us as little kids, uh, and he breaks down some things for us that is really, really cool. Um, he goes, I write you these things so that you may not sin. And anyone who sins, well, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We have an advocate. Remember last week we learned that Jesus is our advocate. He has the heart of an advocate. He's got the spirit of an advocate. He has the attitude of an advocate. That's what we need to be. We need to be advocates for people. But when we sin, Jesus is an advocate for us. He stands before the Father. And when we sin, he says, Father, don't hold that against him. That person is has had my blood wash their sins away. Jesus is up there doing us a favor, and it's really, really cool what he does. Break on down into verse 2. It says this, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Here's the thing. Jesus died for you. And when I say he died for you, I remember always thinking that like, that's like someone going and buying a candy bar for you. You know, that for you is like, Jesus, yeah, Jesus died for you. Well, that's cool, you know. Uh, but what I think we don't always realize is, is that, yes, Jesus died for us. Uh, but the better way to look at that phrase is Jesus died in place of us. Because like I said, uh, I could go and I could buy a candy bar for you. Doesn't carry much weight. Yeah, you might get like Snickers satisfies. You know, uh, anyone see that Super Bowl commercial? That was pretty funny. Okay, um, but there, 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 there's something more than someone doing something for you when actually he's doing something in place of you. Uh, because we all deserve to die. Our the wages of sin is death. Like death is our outcome as sinners, but. Jesus is our propitiation. He has taken that for us, so now we no longer have to die because he already died once and for all. But this verse says, he not only died for you who are following him, he actually died for the sins of the entire world. Which, we're going to say, yeah, it's everyone has the opportunity to know Jesus and have his blood covering their sins. But the thing is, not everyone's going to say, hey, I want Jesus' blood to cover my sins, which sucks. Jesus knows it sucks. He wishes that none would perish, but he knows that there will be those who do. So that gives us a little bit of job is go share Jesus' love so that more people can have uh, life and life to the fullest and live in the light and now go tell more people about Jesus. Um, 
but Jesus died for us, which is really, really cool. Now by this, uh, we know that we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, and by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him, um, himself also walked just as he walked. So if we say we love Jesus, if we say we're following Jesus, we should walk the way Jesus walked. We should do the things that Jesus did. That echoes what Paul says. Follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. And he goes on in the next few verses to say, hey, I'm writing you something, but it's not new because you've known it since the beginning. It's been written throughout creation and all of the Old Testament, but I am writing you something new so that you may understand what this is all about. Um, And then he breaks these things down. Uh, He who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in darkness. Okay? Uh, if you hate your brother, uh, or if you hate someone, that's not good. Let's not hate people. Let's be people who love, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, but but let's love someone, right? Love like 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 let's be lovers. I think I think that's the way to do things. Uh, love, not hate. Um, and then he gets to like my favorite few verses, uh, verses twelve through fourteen, um, and, it, and it, it's like uh, anytime you see something written. And then followed by the exact same thing, like it says it twice. Um, hint, hint, that's an important portion of Scripture. Uh, yeah, like, like you know, like when your parents say, go clean your room, and you're like, okay, and then they're like, no, go clean your room. You're like, yeah, it's probably a good idea to go clean my room. Um, so whenever you see in Scripture, I see some people shaking their head, they're like, I ain't cleaning my room. Um, if Jesus said, go clean your room. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, So whenever you see in Scripture... Something like doubled up. It, it carries some importance. This is what it says in verse 12. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven uh, you um, for his namesake. Pretty cool. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Pretty cool. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Pretty sweet. And he says this, I write to you, little children. Sound familiar. Because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And here's the home run at the end. Bases are loaded. Grand slams about to come here. I have written you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. It's pretty cool here. What John does under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he writes this is, is he really breaks uh, people who are in their faith into three different categories. He breaks people who are in their faith who are like little children, okay, like little babies. Like maybe you've only known Christ a few weeks. Maybe you've only known Christ a few days. Maybe you've known Christ like a year or so, but you haven't actually moved beyond uh, that like baby state. Maybe you're still like, I need the milk of the word. I need the milk of the word. Uh, then, then he jumps to the other end of the timeline. He says, uh, you who are spiritual fathers, you are seasoned. You have been in faith for a very long time. And, and, and you know what's going on. And then he writes to those who are young men, or young women, for all the ladies in the room, um, that are in that span in between. Uh, it, and when we look at this at first glance, we think, oh yeah, he's just writing to different people at these different ages. But no, it, it, this is not a physical age. This is a spiritual age that he's writing here. Okay. And the first thing that I want us to realize about this is he says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. If you've given your heart to the Lord, and it's, it's like fresh, you just have done it, you've decided, I'm following Jesus, and whatnot, uh, you're not going to understand what all this means. 
uh, you're not going to be like a theological wizard. You're not going to like be like super like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the most important thing to someone who is young in their faith is, hey, my sins are forgiven. And that's key. Because we need to understand our sins are forgiven. If you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You no longer have to live the way that you once lived. Because your sins are forgiven. If, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If you are a little children or a little child, it is imperative that you know your sins are forgiven. And you don't have to go back. So know that and run with that. And in a college group like this, we're going to have people who maybe have grown up in the church and who have been following Jesus from the youngest time they can remember. But we're also going to have people who probably gave their heart to the Lord maybe in college, maybe in their senior year of high school, or, or uh, who, who aren't as far along in the journey. And then he, he jumps and he writes to those who are fathers, those who have literally done it, you know? I've been a Christian through thick and thin. To these people, these are the people who survived persecution and who are still uh, like leading the church. Uh, these are the people who are a little more theologically advanced, I guess, if, if we want to use that. But they're like on the meat of the word. And, and, and they, are, they are seasoned in their faith. And what he says to them is, hey, I write this to you because you have known him from the beginning. And this is the cool thing because he says, hey, you gave your heart to the Lord and yet... It was once the most important thing was that he had forgiven you of your sins. But now that you've been through all this, I commend you because you have known him since the beginning. He commends them for, for, for their life and, 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 and their, their faithfulness to God. And here's the thing. I don't want you to think that, um, well, you know, I've only known Jesus for three years. I can't be a spiritual father. Uh, no, that's, that, that's not always the case. Uh, I mean, I've met people who gave their heart to the Lord and within months... Uh, were like, they, they had invested everything they could into it. And they're like, you know what, boom, 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 boom. And they were like totally, totally at a place where they were like, yeah, this is good. But there is also the other side when it comes to age. Uh, maturity comes with age, right? Uh, and, and the same thing in our, in our spiritual life. Um, and I want to encourage each and every single one of us, whether you're someone who would consider yourself uh, someone who's seasoned in your faith, whether you would consider yourself someone uh, who is a child in your faith, find someone. Who, who is, like, really, really seasoned. Uh, the Bible doesn't use numbers, but I'm going to use numbers. Find someone who's known Jesus, like, 30 years, and who's still serving Jesus today, and just go sit and talk with him. Go say, man, when you went through this kind of stuff, what did you do? I'm struggling with this. I know Jesus forgave my sins, but I'm struggling with this. Can you, can you like, tell me what you, I mean, I think that's super, super key and super important. That's what Paul did. Paul, Paul took youngsters with him. He grabbed Titus. He grabbed Timothy. He said, hey, come with me. Learn. Learn. Follow my example. I follow Christ. So I think that's really good. And these are all, remember, steps on how to follow Christ and live in the light. Uh, it's important to team up with people who've been there and done that. But then he comes to this group of people who I think, looking around the room, I, I know most of y'all, um, some of y'all I just met tonight. Awesome. Uh, but I know most of y'all, uh, and I think we're all in this category of young men. I know there's women in the room. Well, young people, okay? Uh, and that's not young our age, but in our spiritual side of things. We're, we're in this place where we're probably not yet spiritual fathers, uh, but we're probably beyond the, like, the milk of the word. And we're like in the meat of the word. Uh, 
uh, and we are battling mm-hmm. sin. We are battling sin. It's like, I'm sinning, i got to stop. That sin's trying to tell me, I can't go. I can't give in to that. And we're in this place where it's this constant battle. And this is what John writes to the people who are going through sin. This is what John writes to these people who are, they're figuring out their faith. They, they've moved beyond the baby steps. And now they're in, I am like the career age uh, in my faith. He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. Okay, If you are in this state in your life and in your spiritual life, uh, know this, you are strong. You might not know you're strong, but you are strong. Okay, And the word of God abides in you. Now make that a truth in your life. Read God's word and let it abide in you. Soak it up because our strength comes from his word. Our strength comes from the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit reveals to us through his word. And when you combine his word... Now, giving us strength, what does it go on to say? It says, because you have overcome the wicked one. So, moving on, past the milk. We're in between the end. Now we're here in the meat. While you are in this state, eat as much meat as you can. Like a, like a Brazil grill, like where you keep the thing green and they just keep bringing you meat. You're just like, yum, 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 yum. Eat up as much as you can. Because the more you eat, the stronger you get, the more the Word of God abides in you, and the more you will overcome the evil one. Got to have that protein, that spiritual protein. Here's the thing. I think if we were to take a survey, we are going to say, how many of us get beat up with sin, and the temptation comes, and we give in, and we give in? I don't know what the survey would be, but I can tell you what the remedy is if you are one of those people who says, yeah, you know what, I give in. The remedy is be in God's word. Study it up. Eat it up. Eat up his word. Because the more you eat up his word, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. We are going to do what we put in. Like in math, the function machine, function in equals function out, you know. Like what you put in is what you are going to produce. And if you're putting in junk, if you're putting in sin, you're just going to be a sinful, junky person. But if you're putting in God's word, when you get to situations when you are tempted, you can be like Jesus and be like, no devil, memory verse. Boom. (laughs) Honestly, we laugh because it's that simple. It's super simple. Yeah, we don't always do it. I would say 85% of the time we don't do that. We either are like, yeah, no sin, I'm going to try and resist you on my own. Or like, yeah, sin, all right, let's do it. We jump in. Like, our natural reaction when sin comes, we don't, we're not like, woohoo, Bible verse. But we should, right? Yeah. And, 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 and we all have room to grow. Because maybe you are someone who's like, yeah, I spent the Bible verse, it's great. And I, and I don't give it a temptation. But then, when, there, when there's other situations, you know, you're not having the word flow out of you. Maybe it's, Gossip, maybe it's whatnot, and all that. I mean, there's a lot of things. But for us who are in this growing stage in our faith, we haven't arrived yet, but we've moved beyond just the John three sixteen faith. Mm-hmm. We've moved into the wholeness of the Bible. Um, we got to battle our sin. I said I was going to be done in thirteen minutes. It's already been eighteen minutes, and we still have a few more verses to go. I want to get to this verse, and then we'll go home after this, I promise. Uh, Verses 15 through 17 say this. 
Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's key. That's not always easy. The world has some pretty cool things. Um, but we can't love the world. Um, because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And that's, and that's really important. Um, and, the, and the draw of the world is, is very strong. Um, whether it's uh, whether it's I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, and anything else in there, money. Uh, I mean, if you love the world, uh, it it very clearly says the love of the Father is not in you. Um, and, and I'm glad I'm not God, uh, because I would I mean I wouldn't know what to do in this situation. Uh, but when I see portions of scripture that are like this, that if you love the world, then you don't love God. Man, it makes me think, man. I need to make sure I love God, and the way I make sure I love God is by hating the things of this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and we really got to hate the things of this world. Um, and I, I just don't mean strongly dislike or uh, abhor. I mean hate, hate. Yes. I do have a question. Uh, yes. But it's bugging me. But I have no idea what the answer is. But um, what about those who uh, don't get the acceptance of like being able to come and uh, receive the word? Um, you know, the day of the coming, Jesus comes right. on earth, uh, what happens then? Do they get a chance to say, hey, I believe in you? Know? Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, so, so so that's a good question. Um, so for the people who don't have the opportunity to hear uh, God's word, don't, don't have the opportunity to hear uh, resistance and, 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 and live for God. Uh, that's a good question, uh, and, and, and it's a question that uh, people have have tried to answer, um, and I say try, uh, uh, because because there's not a solid answer. Um, Romans, uh, I would encourage you, uh, Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 20. Uh, write that down, because I want you to go home and look at it a little bit. Uh, but it says this, and this is good for all of you guys. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, uh, says this. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly being seen and being understood. The things that uh, by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead, so that everyone is without excuse. So there's going to be people who who haven't had the opportunity to hear God's word, uh, but we're told here in God's word that God's uh, power, uh, God's plan of salvation, uh, God's eternal uh, eternalness, uh, his Godhead, uh, his divine attributes. Uh, are seen through his creation. Uh, and, and and not only seen, but it tells us they're being understood. Um, how that happens, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I know there's a very real Holy Spirit uh, who is drawing all men unto the Father. Uh, and I know that all peoples will be without excuse. So for me, I live in America. I live in the Western world where, I mean, you, you can hardly turn the corner without seeing a church. Uh, so, so like the Bible is very present. And, and like, you can hardly go without seeing a Bible in, in the United States, but you go to other places where it's not there. How do they make the connection, what's right, what's wrong? Uh, we're told also in Proverbs that, that, that God has written uh, his plan on the tablets of our hearts. I mean, that was something that happened during creation. Uh, we fell, but it's still embedded somewhere deep in there, and, and, and whether it's through a dream or through something that takes place, or God gives someone a vision. Like, like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, the things are unlocked. Now, does that mean everyone who, who has those opportunities is going to follow Jesus? No, probably not. I, I, I mean, we know in Matthew it says, uh, uh, 
wide is the gate uh, that, that leads to destruction. The, the road's wide and many go, uh, but narrow is the gate that leads. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Fighting Nemo. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's not, it's not, there's not going to be a lot of people who say, I'm following Jesus. There's going to be so much more who say, I'm not. Uh, but everyone is going to be without excuse. So to the person in Papua New Guinea, uh, who, who never saw a white man, so would have never had the opportunity to, to uh, see the gospel, uh, what is that person? I mean, God's sovereign. Uh, and, and so, um, yeah, and he's just. And, and I mean, I'm not God. So, I mean, uh, uh, and... Does it seem fair to me when I look at the gospel? I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm just glad I'm not the one who's making the decision. But what I do know uh, is that we're also told uh, that God's ways and God's thoughts are so much higher than ours that we can't comprehend them. And, 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 and so, and God's plan of redemption, I mean, I could spend, guys, I mean, I could legitimately spend hours uh, on this because that was the question. That was the question. Like, no joke, that was the question that, that, that I came to. It was about tail end of my senior year of high school where I came to the realization, I gotta know why I believe in, and I gotta know what I believe and why I believe it. Uh, so that if anyone asks me, I won't be shaken. And, and that was something I was like, I don't know, I, I don't know how I justify this. And, and, and so it was something I had to search out. And I mean, you can go, and there's so much stuff out there uh, about it, even. I mean, even if you look at like obscure portions of scripture that talk about like solar systems or, or I mean, uh, uh, constellations and stars and stuff, and then when you actually study the stars and you actually look at what is in uh, what would have been what we would say uh, the zodiac, but it's not even called the zodiac. That's a Greek thing that, that was passed down. But uh, uh, in the Jewish Maseroth, which was that their whole view of the stars, it tells the story. Uh, of of creation, like just through the constellations, it, it, it tells of how there's going to be this battle between good and evil, between a snake and a man, and and, and how uh, there, there's this whole progression that there's going to be a savior who's born of a virgin, and then he's going to die on uh, a cross. I mean, down to like the very verbiage we use, it's in the stars. And if you look at every single country's mythology when it comes to stars, it tells the exact same story. That's not an accident. So 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 like to the person who grew up in. Uh, Borneo, who never knew about Christianity or whatnot, but his grandpa told him, hey, this is the story that's in the stars, and he saw it, and he goes, uh, that's what I want to put my faith in, and I'm going to reject all these gods of nature that my people have, and that's what I'm putting my faith in. Uh, when I put those things together, I'm like, hey, you know what? God's invisible qualities and his attributes are being seen and understood. That's the gospel. They don't know the names, but I think when they get to heaven, they stand before God, and they say, uh, and God, God says, why should I let you enter into my kingdom? And they see Jesus standing there. Like something's going to click in their, in their mind. And they're like, that's the one right there. That's who I've been following. I didn't know what you looked like. I didn't know what your name was. But that's who I've been following. And I think Jesus is going to say, yep, you did. I mean, am I going to write a theology on that and say that, yeah, yeah. that's exactly how it happens? No, but I think that's how it happens. Um, and, 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 and I believe, uh, I mean, I believe that's what God's word points to. Uh, does that mean everyone's going to be saved? No. But uh, does it give us more incentive to go tell more people? Yeah. Let's. I mean, let's make sure there's less people who didn't have the chance to hear. By and, and the way we do that is by going and telling people. So good question. Very good question. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, verse 16 17, For all that is in the world, the lust of the, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, uh, is not of the Father, but it is of the world, and the world is passing away, and all the lust of it. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, every sin there is uh, that, that, that we could uh, give into uh, breaks down to these. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we need to make sure we kill these things in our life. Uh, because the world is passing away. Uh, and it's passing away quick. Uh, but if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we abide forever. Uh, and there's so much more to this. Uh, I just want to keep going, but I know it's 8.45, and so i gotta, I got to wrap up. But in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says again, uh, I am the light of the world. Follow me. You won't walk in darkness. And, uh, he says, I am the light and the life. And... Uh, Put your hope and your faith in Jesus uh, and follow him with everything you've got. And uh, let him illuminate your path. Um, and when the darkness comes, realize I am a son of the light. I am a daughter of the light. Uh, I don't have to live like this. I don't have to live like this. And overcome. And overcome. So that's all I'm going to say. We will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. Uh, let Christ's blood that covers you that help you overcome. And let it be said of you. Uh, your testimony, and that person overcome. Uh, I write to you, young men, uh, young women, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you will overcome the wicked one. May that testimony be true about us. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you so much uh, for your word. God, we thank you for the study. We thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to come and study your word. Uh, God, you are so good, and you're great. Go with us as we go from this place. Amen. Amen.